Amen. Well, good morning. We're going to be, thank you, Hunter. We're going to be in Philippians again today uh, in chapter three. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. And as you're doing that, uh, I want to tell you about a couple of things. Uh, One, last weekend, we had a great time, lots of fun, lots of food, uh, and some people got to to win some prizes, which was great. And uh, we collected a bunch of socks and underwear uh, for the Bay Area Alliance to help with kids. And uh, so far, we've raised over $6,000 to help... um, to help our um, ministry partners that we're uh, teaming with. Uh, one of those, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I want to uh, have you pray for uh, Cornerstone Bible Church uh, on Long Island, New York, uh, one of the recipients of our Thanksgiver's offering this year. Uh, their pastor's name is Pastor Mike. Uh, most of you know that Hunter Ryberg, uh, here from our church, is uh, there for a year doing a ministry residency. But uh, Pastor Mike's wife, uh, her name is Heather, and uh, she's battled cancer in the past and uh, overcame it, uh, but unfortunately the cancer is back, and so she's going to have to have some medical procedures done. So if you remember their family, uh, Mike and Heather and their family, uh, over these weeks, just pray for them, lift them up uh, as they endure uh, this uh, next round. Uh, I know they would appreciate it and a great for us, way for us to stay connected uh, as the people of God. Well, today uh, we're going to kind of take a continuation uh, in the book of Philippians. Uh, Paul's uh, message in Philippians doesn't change a whole lot. Uh, There's a large section where it's like, hey, uh, remember what I told you yesterday? Uh, Well, I'm going to tell it to you again today. And uh, if you're here next week, you'll get to hear uh, it said again, um, and and probably the week after that. So it's very uh, repetitive in some ways, uh, because what I've learned is when we get it all figured out, then we can stop learning what God says. But until then, let's keep going. And and so I don't know if you uh, are ready for Thanksgiving or not. Uh, I'm always ready for Thanksgiving because I love to eat. Um, So I'm always ready. But but Thanksgiving is a wonderful time because we take a break. Right? You, you get a few days off of work, hopefully. Uh, students, you get uh, somewhere between three and seven days off, depending on where you go to school, uh, which is exciting. And, and so it's just a time to kind of do nothing, just, just be off. And, and, and there's this idea of taking off uh, a lot in our world. And uh, right now we're in the middle of football season. Uh, but sometime uh, for most football programs, whether that's a professional or or a college, sometime in January, your season is over. Uh, For many of them in December, their season is over. For a few, they get to go to January, and maybe even for a lucky two, uh, they get to go all the way to February. But then there's what we call the off-season. In the off-season, they don't do anything. You, You just sort of take off. The same is true in baseball and basketball. The same is true in television, that if, if you've been, if you old like me, uh, you remember when TV shows used to have like 25 or 30 episodes in the fall and spring, and then they would kind of take the summer off. Now most shows have like nine episodes, and then they take a break. Like they're getting lazy in uh, these days. And then when the writers go on strike, it's even worse. Uh, and so they would take the summers off. So there's lots of this idea of just like let's take off and do nothing. Well, Paul today is reminding us that in our Christian faith, uh, in our walk with Jesus, uh, there's no off-season. 
Uh, there's no like taking a break. There's no like, oh, hey, uh, I'll check you later. No, our, our faith is continual, and we need to be constantly pressing in uh, to what God has for us. So if you've got a Bible, open to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to read verses uh, 12 through 16 today, and it says this, beginning in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold to, hold true to what we have attained. This is not a new thought. Uh, there's lots of things happening here. Remember, this is a letter Paul's writing, uh, not a chapter book uh, that we read. And so we have these little self-man-made little breaks. But Paul's writing one continuous letter uh, to the church at Philippi. And it's a continuation of the thoughts on gains and losses. Last week we talked about how Paul had gained these immeasurable the immeasurable gain of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he counts everything else a loss. All the things that he stood for, all the things that mattered to him for so long in his life, those were a loss compared to his relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and today as he continues this thought, he's thinking back on that and say, you know what, I, I have this incomparable relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I've achieved the, the knowledge of Christ. I, I understand the righteousness of Christ. I have the fellowship of Christ. I understand all of that. But at the same time, I'm not there yet. I, I haven't achieved perfection yet. I haven't made it to perfection, to, to completion, to full maturity. I, I'm not there yet. But he recognizes that everything he used to think was important he rightly now considers a loss. And so as he writes to the church, he's reinforcing the idea that we're all on this journey, all on a path to, to this idea of what it means to be mature in our faith, to, to what it means to be more like Christ each and every day. And so he has this kind of strange language at the beginning, uh, Jesus has made me, my, made me his own, but I haven't obtained it yet. There's this kind of like competing idea here. And sometimes in our Western mind, we see things as mutually exclusive. But Paul here is telling us that you can have something and not yet have it. And, and in Bible theology talk, that's the idea of already and not yet. That if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've placed your faith in him, then you already have received the righteousness of Christ. It's yours. You have it. But you're still a frail, fallible human being who messes up. And so you're not there yet either. You have it, but you don't have it all the way. And so Paul is pointing the church at Philippi to that future, the future where you will have it, where you will be complete in Christ where, where you will understand what it means to have full maturity. 
And so he's telling them that your salvation is secure, but you haven't fully realized all that that salvation offers. And you won't until the day Christ returns or the day that you go to meet him upon your death. And so this is a a big kind of theological concept here with a very practical application that we got to press on. And so he uses this kind of odd phrasing of obtained it, but not already yet. It's kind of like trying to tell a joke in a different language. Not all jokes translate language to language. And so I want to give you an example so that you can understand why it's okay to be like, I already have it, but I don't have it. How do those two things work together? So I'm going to tell you a joke in Spanish. This is kind of like a Woody joke, if those of you know Woody in our church. And so here it is. Que hace el pez perezoso? (laughs) The person who I told the joke early to is being funny. So it's, if, if you know Spanish, what does the lazy fish do? What does the lazy fish do? And the answer is, nada. So, that was the point. This side that knew the joke laughed. This side that didn't know the joke didn't laugh. Because what does the lazy fish do? Nothing. But if you know Spanish, you also know that nadar, N-A-D-A-R, is the verb to swim. And so the lazy fish swims. And the lazy fish does nothing. See, like the one Spanish speaker in the room is actually laughing. So thank you, Naria. Appreciate that. But that's the point. The lazy fish, what does he do? He does nothing, but he swims. He does, does both of those things. The same idea here is that sometimes in our mind we see mutually exclusive things that can't exist, but yet they do. And that's what Paul's talking about here. That, that I, I've already obtained the righteousness of Christ but I'm also pressing on to achieve the righteousness of Christ. I'm doing both. And so as he writes to this church, he's helping them see that there is one goal in mind, and that goal is Jesus. That there's an upward call, there's a higher call to life, and that is to spend eternity with your Savior. And the longer you run that race, the longer you press on, the longer you move forward, the clearer it becomes. That the end of the race, that as we move towards that end, that there are things that matter and things that don't matter. And the things that do matter have eternity as their subject. And I want to be able to experience fully what my salvation has to offer. And so he's challenging the church to run full speed towards Jesus, to to run headlong in their relationship with Christ. It's not that there won't be obstacles and difficulties and frustrations in the way. Uh, Most of us will live 70, 80, 90 years, and and many of those years uh, will have heartache and difficulty Uh, There'll be struggle and disappointment. There'll be self-inflicted wounds. Uh, There'll be external issues that create chaos for us. And and those are the things that sometimes derail us. And and Paul is telling them, take an eternal perspective. 
Because you may have said at some point in your life, you know what, I can do anything for 15 minutes. Like you can endure something for 15 minutes. But Paul is saying, look at your life in light of eternity. And so can you handle the obstacles and the frustrations and the discouragements and and, and the challenges for 50 or 60 years in light of millennia? If you can't press on, press through that. Keep going so that you may experience the fullness of your salvation. Because most of us, when hardship or difficulty or our own laziness, when we want to do nothing or swim, when, when we want to do that, we, we just say, ah, I'm out. We just take a break. But, but in a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's no provision for stalling. There's no provision for detours. There's no provision for, hey, I'm going I'm to take a few months or a few years off of Jesus. There's no provision for that. It doesn't matter, and that's why Paul is constantly telling the church, keep moving, keep leaning in. There's no, uh, hey God, I'm good for a solid 18 Sundays this year. There's none of that. That's sometimes how we approach our relationship with Christ. As I'm good for the bare minimum. No press, he says. That means to set into rapid motion, move, press. You know, as I've gotten a little older and every time just about I get on social media, I get these ads. And they're ads for what I call old man workouts. Because I'm sort of beyond that. I'm no longer a young man, so I guess old is the next option. Median just sounds weird. And so it's these workouts that usually involve uh, sitting in a chair. That gives you clue number one. It's not for a young person, right? Sitting in a chair. What a deal. I get to work out sitting down in a cushy chair. But then they also usually are dumbbell related. So you pick up these weights, usually five or ten pounds again. Woo! Um, and so it's, hey, do this exercise or these exercises, you know, you know press, uh, yeah, or if you're really excited, you know, kettlebell kind of thing and you swing it. Do this for seven minutes, three times a week, and you'll have abs and biceps like Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was in his 20s. What in the world? No way. It just doesn't happen. But sometimes that's how we kind of approach our spiritual life. Seven minutes, twice a week. I'm all yours, God. And Paul is reorienting this church who is is battling a number of things. They got a bunch of people telling them how they should live. That's the Judaizers we talked about last week. These that, like, no, you got to follow all the rules all the time. And Paul's saying, no, lean in to your relationship. That the good enough mentality is not good enough. That, that when you and I don't press into our relationship with Christ, when we just sort of coast, we're missing. We're missing the point. We're missing an opportunity. And so Paul is telling the church, telling us that our pursuit of Jesus must be consistent and purposeful. 
Just like you don't become a superstar athlete by walking out on the field and saying, here I am. There's a consistency, there's purpose to our relationship with Christ. And he knows that because he takes confidence in his relationship with Jesus Christ. It wasn't him. He, it's not because he's so great. He's already talked to us about that. No, the reason why he's able to pursue his relationship with Jesus with such purpose and consistency is because he knows that Jesus has already taken hold of him. Christ Jesus has made me his own. Those are Paul's words. Like He understands that Jesus has already taken hold of him. And so he's going to take hold of Jesus. He's going to pursue. He's going to press. He's going to set into rapid motion. He's going to see who Jesus is, and he's going to go after that life with all abandon. And he's going to forget the past. He's going to forget what lies behind him. He's going to forget his past failures and his past successes. And most of us kind of look at Paul and we think, oh yeah, Paul messed up big time. But Paul had a great number of successes. Paul had to forget the fact that he was the greatest rule follower in Israel. Like he was the best at following the rules. Some of you take pride in being the best at following the rules. He he had achieved the greatest of any Pharisee. He had achieved the highest level in his profession. He was the top of the food chain in his profession. He had to forget all that. He had to forget the fact that the people that he now called brother and sister were the people that he tried to have killed years earlier. I'd say that's probably a Maybe a maybe for the Christmas card list, right? You tried to kill me three years ago. He had to forget his persecution of the church. He had to forget all of that. He had to forget the fact that he missed the point of the God-man relationship completely. He'd wasted years of his life focused on the rules instead of receiving the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. He had to forget that, put it behind him. And so he's telling the church the same thing. Forget what lies behind you, both the great accomplishments and the terrible failures. Because your worst failure will never separate you from the love of Christ. You'll never be separated from God's love. He will pursue you. And your greatest success will never fill the God vacuum in your life. Neither one of those are true. And so he says, press on toward that upward call, toward that eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because there's only one goal that matters, that goal of maturity, goal of completion in our relationship with Christ Jesus. I'll tell you, um, all truth is God's truth. So if you hear truth, it originates from God. And the reason why I know that is because last weekend or two weekends ago now, maybe I, the date's are wrong, uh, there was an award show, the Country Music Awards. And there was a, a young man, I can say young because he's younger than me, a young man that won New Artist of the Year. But he's 39, which is pretty old in that category. And his name is Jelly Roll. Some of you know him. Uh, his photo's on the screen. That's him right there. So Jelly Roll uh, 
express this truth that we see today. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16, he expressed this truth Sunday night, a few weeks, whatever, last week or two weeks ago. He won for New Artist of the Year. When he was 13 years old, he made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ and was baptized at a small church in Tennessee. And then he proceeded to spend his 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th birthdays in prison. And in and out of jail uh, for the next 10 years or so. Finally, kind of got his act together and still today is kind of rediscovering his faith and writing songs uh, about faith, about failure, uh, about Uh, the struggle that people have. But a couple of Sunday nights ago, he made this statement in his acceptance speech for New Artist of the Year. He said, I want to tell you that the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror for a reason. Because what's in front of you is so much more important than what's behind you. As he screamed that into the microphone after the entire crowd was cheering for him. Now, Jelly Roll is a fallible, faulty man, just like you and I are, fallible and faulty. But he knows the truth. The truth that what is set before us is so much more important than what is behind us. And so the question that you and I have to answer as we look at forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward like an athlete at the finish line, straining for that. Are you looking out of the windshield? Are you looking out of the rearview mirror? Or maybe you're looking down at your phone, which is the worst of those three options. Are you looking ahead to what God has for you? Are you too focused on what's happened in the past? I think all of us need to treat our lives like we drive box trucks. You know, just about every vehicle on the road today has a rear view mirror, but a box truck doesn't need one. Because if you were to look in the rear view mirror, all you would see is a giant wall. There's nothing to see. You can only look out the front But some of us are carrying a bunch of baggage from our past. The glory days of our relationship with God, the glory days of whatever we think church life should look like, or maybe the past failures of the things that the enemy tries to remind you of all the time, of how terrible of a person you are. And God is reminding us today Forget all that. Look ahead. And if you're a mature person, most of us get to verse 14 and we kind of stop. But verse 15 is important as we think about looking ahead. He says, let those of us who are mature think this way. So if you want to be a mature person, then think like that. Think like I'm going to push ahead. I'm going to forget what lies behind me. That's what a mature person does. And and if you forget that, God is faithful to help remind you. Otherwise, he's going to reveal it to you when you're too busy looking in the rearview mirror. He's going to remind you, hey, 
straight ahead, look forward, press on, keep straining, keep going. He's going to remind us when we need redirection. And Paul has this unique way of, throughout his letter and throughout all of his writings, of, of kind of punching in the nose a little bit like, hey, get your act together, live this way, do the right thing, pay attention, and, and then coming behind it and then comforting, like, I, I thank God every time I think of you. You know, I, I remember you in my prayers. Uh, I don't need to tell you anything about this because you're doing all this good stuff. And then he'll turn right back around and say, hey, uh, remember this, this, and this? And he kind of does that constant, like, super encouragement, like, challenge, admonition. And then he kind of puts his arm around you. And then he's like, hey, get it together. I love you. Get it together. I love you. Well, this is one of those moments at the end here. After he said, press on. Keep going. If you're mature, you're going to think this way. So maybe he's thinking, some of you don't get this. So let me tell you what mature people do. But he closes with this important statement. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. He closes with a simple reminder that Jesus is yours that Jesus has made you his own. That you need to take comfort and courage in that. Hold tightly to the position you have in Jesus Christ, which is the righteousness of Christ. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, then hold tightly to that firm foundation, to, to the righteousness of Christ that you've already obtained. Not that you did it on your own, but Christ did it through you. And so hold tightly to Jesus and let go of yesterday. Hold tightly to him and let go of yesterday. And so if you're here this morning and, and maybe you've been struggling, maybe your past is holding you back, maybe you got too much rear view mirror time, or maybe you've been taking some days off. You've had a long off season in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Or perhaps you've lost some confidence in your faith. That, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not as perfect as I want to be. I'm not as godly as I want to be. I'm not as holy as I want to be. Today is a great reminder to to reposition our thoughts and, and to reignite uh, our pursuit of Jesus Christ. And so I want to pray for you in a moment. I want to invite you when we stand and sing in a minute to come and just pray and say, maybe you're one of those folks that like something in your past is nagging you and you need to let it go. I want to invite you to come and pray and say, God, it's yours. Uh, I, today, November 19th is the day. I, I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to press on in my relationship with you. Maybe you've been a little wayward in your faith and perhaps today's the day to say, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm gonna press forward and press hard. I'm gonna strain forward. I'm gonna do everything in my power to lean into my relationship with you. Or maybe today you're like, you know what? I, I don't even have faith. I, I, don't, I don't have faith at all. And, and I need to let go of some things that have been tying me down my sin that's been weighing me down. I need to release that and put my trust and my hope in Jesus Christ. 
There'll be several of us down front. If you want to pray with one of us, you want to ask us questions, we'd love to talk to you. Or if you just want to come and pray and say, Lord, I'm straining forward to the upward call. Let's bow together.